0: Well, we've finally come to our final week of preparing for the presence of God before our forum next week. And it has been a journey. But it's been an important journey, because for many of us, this is a theological foundational journey that takes us from an understanding that, oh, Jesus died and you know for my sins and I get to go to heaven. But it takes us into a more in-depth look at the story of God over the history of humanity. It's taken us through a place where we've considered the authority of Scripture. And we've said, yes, we understand why God reveals himself in Scripture and not just to me directly. And we've gone all the way through all these stories that have finally brought us to a realization of the Holy Spirit indwelling us last week. What a beautiful image of God himself, the creator of the universe, living inside each one of us. The final ideal where we get to is that the Holy Spirit continues to reside inside of every single person who is called by the name of Jesus. And Jesus comes and returns and lives with us, both tangibly as a person and Holy Spirit in our hearts, where we experience the glory of God around us all the time. And so all of these things being made right, where God is brought with us, is the vision and the hope that Christianity stands and represents. Christianity is a much larger story than a simple story of you were a sinner, you did something wrong and God had to kill his son to punish him on your behalf and so that you don't get the punishment of death. Christianity's story is about the hope that God has for his people. That he calls us into something, a picture of his future where he indwells us and we live with him in his glory. And so let's not reduce the presence of God similarly to just something that makes us feel good. But let's recognize the presence of God is something that God gifts us as a way for us to move forward in this world. The presence of God is the gift of God given to us that emboldens us and empowers us and strengthens us, and that's where we're going today. Let me open up in prayer, then I'm going to read our scripture. God, we're so thankful that you are telling this wonderful story. And I pray that as we go through it again and again and again, that it would start to to make more sense to us, that it would alter the way we think about Scripture, that it would alter the way we think about Christianity, because we need to see the larger story so that the small story that we were introduced to fits. So that we see that, yes, indeed, you did come and die on a cross and forgive us of our sins, but why you did that fits into a much larger story. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would help our eyes be open to your story. And more than that, today as we look at what your Holy Spirit does, I pray that we would be open to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So our verse today is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Did you see that right at the beginning? That unity matters. God didn't call us into his presence for us to remain individually motivated. We've already seen that in the series, that that God is calling us into a greater body, a greater identity, one that I'm not the center of the universe anymore. God's called us into his presence, into a radical unity. Unity. A radical unity where we look at the other and we say you possess the same Spirit of God in you because of Jesus that I possess and we are unified we are we are bound together not just to Jesus but we're bound together inside the church for all the dysfunction that happens in church I think a lot of it comes down to not understanding who we are at the core We are Christ, and we are bound together by Him. It's not something that I can just schluff off and say, oh, well, I don't like you anymore, and I'm just going to create a divide, because that works against what God is doing. And so we're bound together by Christ. But it also shows us that God will give us all languages to speak. Revelation 7, 9 has become one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And God put it on my heart. You know, over a year ago, I was walking around Bradford. And God put this verse on my heart because what I saw, I don't think I've shared with you. Maybe I have. But what I saw moved me. I was walking on Miller Park. And when I was there, I saw a family that were mowing, well, The the husband was mowing the lawn and the and the wife and the child were in the front of the house they were just playing and they were calling back and forth to each other and the husband would shut the lawnmower off and yell to his family at the front and it was just this beautiful scene but not one person in the family was speaking english because in bradford people don't just speak english people speak well a lot of different languages and so they, they weren't speaking English and my heart went out to them because we've been talking for so long about, about this town, about this mission of God. We've been talking about his long-standing mission to call people. And here I am in earshot of a family that God loves and I cannot communicate with them because they do not speak my language And and there was something in that that broke my heart. Revelation 7, 9 gives me this great vision of what God is doing. Look at this. It says, After this I looked and behold in a great multitude that nobody could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. What we have is the entire representation of the diversity of humanity standing in the glorious presence of God at the end of the, t- the end of the age. You know, the goal, the end goal of, of this beautiful unity inside diversity. This beautiful unity inside diversity. You know, it's not an amalgamation into one person. It's these people all standing with the allegiance to Jesus from different tribes and nations and languages. All saying that that those things are secondary to the allegiance that they have in Jesus. And and what happened in my heart when I saw this family is I thought, we don't speak their language. How will they even know from us the truth of the love of God? And something birthed in my heart that I've been investigating, and and I want to see a way that we can be a church that speaks many languages. And we're looking into that, and if that's something that interests you, please talk to me. I want to see how we could be a church that speaks many languages, not just conversationally, but services being interpreted into many different languages so that people who just don't speak English can understand the calling and the love of God. But there's something really awesome that happens in this passage in Acts chapter 2 that, that is just so profound because even before we're dealing with you know, massive interpretation and stuff like that, we get this moment where, where God gives them languages that weren't their own. And it says, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. The word is another word for Languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, when, the, when we're united in the Holy Spirit, or when we're united in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes upon all of them. And today we're going to talk about the church's role in this world empowered by the Spirit. Holy Spirit is God. Like, these are, the Holy Spirit's part of the Trinity. And sometimes Francis Chan gave us language for it. I think it was Francis Chan, and he wrote, Forgotten God. You know, that, that we sometimes just play down the importance of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is God. We need to recognize that. Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We become the sacred space in which God interacts with the world. You know, I, I said last week that, that when we get the pres- the, our theology of the presence of God right, we get the, presence of, we get the theology of the power of God right. Um, it's God's voice that he wants to speak through us. He wants to give us the languages to speak to others, the ability to speak to others. It's God's hands that want to work through us. He wants these hands to bring about the hope of his kingdom, not fulfill it. Foreshadowing is the word we use for it. We can't fulfill it. We need Jesus to do that. But Holy Spirit empowers us to foreshadow it. We're signposting. And it's God's story that we've been invited to participate in. So this is how we're going to wrap up the entire series this week. We're going to talk about how it's God's voice that wants to speak through us. So Acts chapter 2 that I just read is familiar to us because the Holy Spirit fills people with the words of God and they spoke in many tongues. And I need to address this. Promised Church believes in the infilling of the Holy Spirit, seeing people speak in other tongues. It's it's in both senses that are used in scripture. There are two ways that it's used. One is in the sense of speaking in tongues in other people's known languages, which is what happens here in Acts chapter two. And there's speaking in tongues is in the prayer language between my spirit that, that groans out to God and, and God, and it's brought through my, my mouth. And so that type of speaking in tongues is something that Promise Church believes in. It's something that I would do. I practice. And it's something that, that we are invited into. The Holy Spirit speaks through us. God wants to embolden Our speech. It isn't actually just about the fact that we can speak other languages and speak in this prayer language. It is that God brings boldness with the speech. I I see this all throughout the book of Acts, and this is so important in our culture because in our culture, we We're living in the outcome of a period of time when the evangelical Christian went throughout the entire North American culture preaching a gospel that was based on you are a sinner, Jesus died for your sins, believe in Jesus, and you'll go to heaven forever for spiritual laws. And that was it. That was the entirety of it. And that gospel, that good news, has been... Very firmly rejected by culture in many ways. And we now as Christians have inside of us a hesitation to speak. And I get it. I understand that hesitation and it makes all the sense in the world to me. But what I want to encourage you with today is the hope that the Holy Spirit emboldens speech. As we get into the presence of God, we've been preparing for the presence of God and the Holy Spirit is come and dwelling in us. Something miraculous happens. And God himself puts our desire for the love of others above our own fear. And he calls us and says, "I'm going to give you the words. Just speak." Just speak. The work that God has done in you is a good work, and it is true, and it is something that can come out of your mouth with the power of God behind it. The power of God will fill your speech because He lives in you. Without God in me, I have no hope to see spiritual transformation happen in somebody else but because God has prepared me and you for His presence, because we have offered our allegiance to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, because we are rooted in the foundation of Scripture, because God promises when you speak, the power of God comes from you. The truth of God speaks to the heart of the other individual. And we are emboldened to speak. The Holy Spirit gives us utterances of languages to boldly speak His word. If there's one thing I know, is that as Canadians, we are meek and mild. But what we see in Acts 2 shows something very different. The people around started gathering because they were hearing people speak in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished and saying, aren't these who speak, aren't they Galilean? And somebody said, no, they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said, men of Judea, Who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you, give ear to my words. And then he just goes and he speaks the words of God. It's not just because he's Peter. Peter can't do this. You and I can't do this. The Holy Spirit emboldens our speech. Why would would God do that? Well, he does it because he has a message for humanity, and his chosen instruments are the people who have pledged allegiance to him. He has gifted us with his Holy Spirit. He has gifted us with all good things. And he said, my yoke is easy. We talked about that already. And then he said, I'm going to embolden your speech so that you can share my story holy God, are you serious? He's so serious. He is so serious. God's story demanded that people wrote down what he did. And we should still be writing down what God is doing. There's no other God before God. That God is the savior of the whole world, every tribe, every nation, every language. That Jesus' death and resurrection was the way in which he did it. That Jesus saves us from our own impulses, which we're a slave to. That, that Jesus is Lord, whom I offer my allegiance to. And his burden is light, and I'm included into his body. and The Holy Spirit makes me a sacred space. That he then emboldens to speak his words. That is the invitation to Christianity. And it's not just words. It's not just words that God has emboldened us to do. It is also actions. It's God's hands that, that want to work through our hands. You know, there's, there's a myth that, that Christians can make everything right. <laughs> that, all well, true Christianity just fights all the injustice and gets rid of it all and, and we fix the world. That's what Christianity does. Well, no, Christianity doesn't make it all right. In fact, if you look at the church well enough, you'll see that we can't even get it right ourselves. So no, Christianity does not make it all right in terms of our actions, but but we participate in the signposts that say God is going to make it right. And our hands and our feet and our time is used towards that end. And so, you know, we see that we foreshadow it. Our hands participate and point to that kingdom of God. This church believes that God has great promises for you, for our town, and for our world. And we can show it through our actions. There are three major actions that we take. We have worship services, where when you come into a worship service with us, as you are right now, our prayer is always that you experience the transformative presence of God. That God speaks to your spirit enlivens it, gives it strength, sanctifies, sorts out what needs to be brought into alignment, sets us on the right path, sets us free from our impulses. We know that in our worship services, God is doing all this. We know it. Why? Because we've heard you speak of it. I've heard stories of people in this congregation saying that that affected me. God changed the way that I was thinking about that. God changed my actions in that. God is working even right now, but we're the hands and feet of God when we do our promise grants, when we just break into our community and just do something good. Just do something good. Just show what it looks like in a little way, what that togetherness looks like. And if you haven't yet had the opportunity to be involved in a promise grant, then I encourage you to get into a a group. Get into a promise group, find one. You could talk to Danielle Vanny on Slack, or you could talk to me, you could talk to John, and and you can get involved in a promise group. You need to do that. Because that's our third way. Our promise groups are where we experience the, the intimate relationships in which we see this togetherness really happen. So when we don't, we don't act perfectly. We don't make all the evil disappear, but we partner with God because the Holy Spirit in us gives us a vision for what it looks like. And we are thrilled to be a part of it. This is life altering. The whole sermon series, as we take it in a whole, is life altering because the presence of God changes Everything. He gives us the words, emboldens our speech, gives us the vision for actions that foreshadow His kingdom. You know, if I look at if I look at Acts, it's it's interesting. You just flip through Acts like this, and and you see like uh, Acts chapter three, the lame beggar healed. Oh, that's that's participation with uh, with the kingdom of God. Peter and John before the council and they're speaking. Oh, that's emboldened speech, look at that. Believers pray for boldness. Look at this, this is, this is exactly it. It's, it's Acts chapter 4, 23. You know, we've got, we've got this story of many signs and wonders done. Acts chapter 5, that's us taking, taking hold of the kingdom of God in our action. Oh look, Acts 7 is Stephen's speech. It's happening. The Holy Spirit is active. Guys, in the church today, we've sometimes said the way we experience God is on worship in Sunday mornings. And while that is true, that is such a limiting factor of what God is calling us to do. And as we re-engage Sunday morning church life, We can never make that the main thing. It's always got to be. God, Holy Spirit, is emboldening your speech. He's emboldening your action. There's stuff happening. Let's not reduce God to simply Sunday morning at 10.30 to 12 o'clock. Let's allow Him to speak in every area of our life. It's unbelievable the actions as we read in the history of God. Dorcas restored to life. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Peter and Cornelius and Cornelius start speaking the words of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. We go through this whole story, and again and again we see, you know, Acts chapter 12. Verse 12 says, where many were gathered together, they were praying together. And Peter comes in, set free miraculously from prison. The power of the Holy Spirit is all over this, but we can't get to the power of the Holy Spirit unless we approach the presence of God with the seriousness that he's called us to. We can't see these wonderful, great things happen unless we take the previous seven, ser- seven sermons seriously and we come down to this one and now we can see it. Now we see that because we have the presence of God, we've been invited into the story of God. This isn't about me. The Corinthian church got it all wrong when they thought that the tongues was about their social status, because they spoke in tongues more. No, it's about the power of God and the voice of God emboldening the speech. And so it's God's story we're invited into. And God is doing this great work. This story transcends us. It links our past to our present and projects where our future is going. This is the story that identifies us. Bigger than any identity politics, bigger than any label that you might carry, the allegiance to Jesus transcends your life. My prayer for this church is that we would experience the presence of God in a transformative way that empowers us with the power of God to do the work of God that foreshadows His kingdom. God, I just, I pray that i I trust that You are doing this work. I trust, as I've seen it in my life, that You are doing this work in this congregation's life. And I know that if you're doing something, it takes longer than I, than I wanted it to take. And I'm okay with that. But I pray that you would be aligning our lives with your presence. That you would, that you would be showing the evidences to us that you are truly at work. That we would speak of the testimonies that say that you are doing things, that your activity is written down. And as that activity is written down, that that trust is continued to be built, that indeed God is here with us. That we would join the voices of the thousands and the millions who have gone before us proclaiming the greatness of God. In every language, in every action. Embolden us, Holy Spirit, and fill us with your presence in a way that we know, in a way that sets every other value as lesser, that the only thing is you and your story that we've been invited into. Reorient our lives around your presence. Give us grace as we learn. In Jesus' name, amen.